Hello and welcome back to CMO Combo, and it's time to dive into another topic that CMOs need to know. We're back with Kyla Yates. Last time she covered everything an interim CMO needs to know when starting a new role, but this time we're closing that loop and examining what interim CMOs need to be thinking about when reaching the end of a project in terms of their career, the organization, their team, and even their own personal well-being. Hi, Kyla. Welcome back to the CMO Convo. How are you doing today? I'm good, Will. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. And I'm very excited about this conversation. I mean, I, I loved our conversation last time, so we wanted to do another episode. And we're kind of closing out this two-parter, aren't we? Because we started off talking about like how to get started as an interim CMO, what you should be doing when you're moving into a role. And now we're going to be talking about what you should have in mind when you're leaving that role, how you should be basically... Well, what's the opposite of preparing the ground, leaving the ground in a nice way? Like, it is. Yeah. yeah, and such a timely thing, really, because um, one, I'm a finisher completer, so it really felt odd to talk about how you start something and not really think about the finisher. So, yes, definitely. And also, I am just wrapping up a client, so now it's a really good time while it's still really fresh. Well, while well, that's fresh in your mind, Kyla, maybe you tell us a bit about the, the latest project, latest work you've been doing with the client to kind of give some context about what we're going to be talking about today. Yeah, of course. So um, I know when we've talked previously, you know, it was kind of what, what are the type of roles that come up? What are the type of interim positions? And this was one of the transformational roles, if you like, where a company is really assessing what they need from, a, from marketing. What does good marketing look like for their specific sector or their industry or their you know, current stage in their growth. And it can be anything from a startup to a, an enterprise, really. You know, a long, you know, long-standing brand. They all kind of often need an interim. This was a transformation role. And by that, it was really, um, they'd only had a marketing team for a year and it was time to sort of revisit that marketing organization and define what would be required for growth in the next four to five years. Um, so really coming in, assessing the team, assessing the type of work that we're doing, assessing the MarTech, you know, the, the way that the company wanted to grow. And in this particular situation, it was a professional services learning and development organization, but they also had a new tech offer. So it's also how do we embed that technology marketing skill set that's less about the product and its features and its capability and much more about the emotional connection and that personal you know what's the value that a client's going to get out of it so transformational but also transformational for the organization mm -hmm. in the way that where they were going so was, was this one where you, you knew that there was an end point or was it like you just kept working until the project was done kind of thing like how, how did you know when it was time to be wrapping things so up? I knew there was an end point there's also an end I think this is a it's a great question by the way because I think it's always about stepping into a project as, as much about how you're going to close what is what's the what does the end look like defining that that finish and what are the results or the outcomes that's expected in that time frame? So we knew at the outset that we really, really wanted it to be a nine-month assignment. I've actually eked it out to 10, and I'll explain what the eking out to 10 <laughs> is um, for two reasons. One, I knew I was going away for the whole of June, and I think interims need to think, you know, part of being an interim is that flexibility mm -hmm. and taking time out and doing, you know, working the, the time that you need. 
I knew I was going away in June. And so even COVID and everything, I kind of knew I wanted to take summer out. Um, but also for the company, it can be, you can become, you know, it's um, a dependency sometimes, or there's a finite budget or a finite project that needs to be delivered. So being really clear at the outset is really important for me. And certainly for this particular role, it was really, you know, nine months. And then I, what I've been doing in the last month is two days a week just to help make sure that the team is stabilized and I'll talk about that stabilizing in a moment but I think it's really important to just finish off what we're talking about is be very defined about the timeline you're going to be working to what are the outcomes that you're going to be expected to have delivered and make sure that those are the your key momentum throughout that period of time nine months can feel like a long time. You can have a baby in that time frame, but you know, is what is the outcome? What's the baby going to look like, and how are you going to deliver it? Is really key to any um, interim assignment. So, how, how do you show that you've achieved your outcomes? Then, like, did, is it just is it obvious, or do you have to put together like a big report to show like KPIs and OKRs and that kind of stuff? Yeah, again, great question. So, I think sometimes it's it can be defined at the start of the project, right? What is the outcome? What's the deliverable? What's the you know why am I here? And in in this example, that transformation, have we transformed marketing? So, so really, what you what you do at the beginning of a of an interim assignment is set those goals and then what I do is in the first month I give myself time to really understand whether those goals are achievable so having kind of got into the position are there roadblocks are there things that that will um, detract you from delivering on those goals can you measure them like, is there a, is there an internal mechanism for tra for tracking and measuring those and certainly for lead lead generation and demand generation that's an important thing but there's the soft skills. Have you, you know, have you transformed the marketing team? Have you been able to, you know, upskill, retain, and um, refocus the organization? Those are harder to 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 um, to evaluate. Some of that is kind of like a, you know, it's a judgmental thing. So be very clear about the objectives, be very clear about the timelines that can be, that, that are around those objectives. Have some really reasonable timeframes within, you know, when you will test, you'll do discovery, you'll test, you'll check and then deliver. Um, and then another really good thing is, you know, I look at the internal um, reporting um, cadences and what are the tools that we use and I use those to make sure that I'm delivering on that scope. So it's part of it is, you know, the internal reporting is something you do anyway. It's how do I use that to, to ensure that I'm also keeping to um, my set objectives. And when those objectives are derailed, you know, then business derails you all the time, is being able to just adjust those with the exec team, you know, and just say, look, I came in to do this. We're going off in a completely different direction. Here's the new set of objectives. I'm very results driven. It's that kind of finish a completed thing is just being constantly aware of what you're being monitored and tracked for and doing your own um, uh, evaluation as you go along. There's certain things that, yeah, you can 
monitor and track and show quite clearly to the executive team or the, or the C-suite, stuff mm -hmm. like engagement levels, stuff like performance metrics to do with the actual marketing campaigns you're running. But what about sort of stuff like, like competency levels of the team? Like, how do you mm -hmm. show that to someone who might not understand marketing? Like, it's all well and good saying like, we've improved our content writers um, competency levels by such and such. What does yeah. that actually mean to someone who's not in the marketing sphere to actually show that you've had this effect? Yeah, great. Again, super questions as always will. Um, <laughs> I think it's really, this is where your competency is it, as a CMO comes in, you know, is being able to, um, when I start an assignment and, and more often than not, you know, there'll be a conversation about the team. Um, you know, there are, there are judgments. Everyone has a judgment on, on how that team is performing. Um, and I, I go in and I look at what is the objective, like what, are, you know, what, what are the soft skills that are required from marketing? And then I assess that marketing team along those guidance guidelines. And sometimes it's, you know, the tough conversations that you have. Um, and occasionally it's resetting, you know, the number of times I've had um, uh, conversations again with the exec team to say, actually, you've got two superstars who are in the wrong role, who just need a bit of time in um, and some investment. So here's some courses that we're looking at. And, you know, I can pretty much every assignment, I can tell you where there were people who have gone through a, some sort of formal marketing qualification or informal um, that has given them one, the confidence to step up, but also giving the execs evidence of if you're looking for a, you know, if, if we're driving to a content strategy, then you've got great subject matters experts here, but actually maybe their writing style is not great. So let's focus on some, some of their writing skills or give them support. Uh, example, I've got somebody who could, you know, I knew somebody who could write really well. Headline writing wasn't brilliant. So went out into my network and looked at people that were, you know, former editors who could give some of that guidance. And so there's no reason that that person needed to be removed or, you know, bring in someone else to replace them. It's, it's also creating that environment around the organization, the team, to make sure that they can deliver and learn and grow. And then that focus on the team, that's probably going to be more important for the next leader of the marketing department than all these metrics to do with the campaigns and stuff you actually looking at the the development of the team and actually identifying their strengths and weaknesses is going to be more important than just thinking like oh we've increased engagement by such and such percent it really is and i think that that i i think of the psychological impact as well um on the individual so how are you helping um, each of those each of those individuals in the marketing organization step up, do more, do less sometimes and go off and do something else, you know. Um, the conversations I have with them are, I think, a lot more open, a lot more direct than you might if you were their permanent head yeah. of marketing. Um, I've got wide enough industry experience to be able to say, I think you're in the wrong role. And here's why I think you're in the wrong role. And here's how I can help you. And that's, a not, I think, sometimes a kinder way than, than continuing to judge them on a set of criteria that doesn't fit the individual. It's really, really important to me. It's part of my core values of being an interim 
actually is that you can adjust to the organization. And, and I think another you know, reason companies bring in an, an, an interim is that you can bring in somebody completely objective who will give you their industry and um, cross-industry experience that says, actually, this is the type of marketing you need right now. And maybe this person that you're going to bring in or the roles that you're, you have in place at the moment won't be right for you in a year, but right now this is what you need. Often, you know, interims are creating a completely new marketing organization. And when you're creating completely new, the skills that you need to create completely new are very different to those that are, we've got everything in place now, just go and be, be successful execute so it's I think the role of the interim is it, you really do need to be very purposeful about what that role is going to do and and how interims at, from every level can have an impact on both your organizational um, structure and but also the psychology and the um, the culture of the marketing team you mentioned it's something to do with like it's not you you've got the right roles for now but not for what you need in a year how much are you expected to plan out for the future as an interim cmo when you're leaving do you leave like a, a working strategy for people to work from or is it just like blank slate whoever's coming along it's their problem now to deal with things i'm such a control freak i kind of feel i do have i mean i i um i've i've written as i think it was an 18 page handover and documents wow. now with loads of links and it, and look it's everything from in your in week one these are the people you should spend time with and it's not just the management team you know the real um I call them the adjacencies the sales operations heads you know not just the sales directors but actually who are the people that you're working with hand in hand on a daily basis or team your team is working with so you know the web dev guys the um, data analytics team so a long list of who are the people to meet in week one the things you should read in week one the things you should read safe to we read to week two and the people you should meet week two and then it's all over to you um, but to answer your question about do I leave a strategy I find it really uncomfortable to do that because the strategy I'm creating is based on one a really rapid um, uh, deep dive into the organization so I can give you here are the priorities, here's the strategy that exists, the business strategy, and here's the marketing strategy that, that sits alongside it. But where, and this is true of some companies, you don't have a business strategy. What you can do is, is I extrapolate to say, okay, so this is what, these are the objectives for um, marketing. Here's how you will measure those objectives over time. The immediate things I've been able to get rolling are these. This is why the rationale. And and really the time frame that I expect some of those results to come out. So for example, if you've set up a marketing operations function, that, mop, that MOPS function is, is initially just looking at what should our lead scoring look like? What is the weighting? Are we looking at, you know, are we looking at um, final touch point as an attribution or is it attribution across the life cycle of that? There's so many different considerations. So I will say I've taken last touch as an attribution, just because it's the simplest. But here's the, you know, here's the criteria for why you might 
when you change that after six months, but wait six months, wait until November when you've got these things done. So I tend to do, um, you know, here's the operational framework for the next six months. These, this is the rationale. Here's why, you know, these are the decision points that you'll have coming up in the next five to six months. Um, but also what you need to do next, what I would do next are these. So for example, I'll give the existing organization chart and then have a recommended organization and why. Um, what are you able to achieve now and what could you achieve with that org chart is a really important set of um, talking points, but also for the new CMO to understand what it is, you know, what, what was in your mind when you were doing whatever you did. And then also having enough information, having, you know, um, uh, some rationale for uh, their conversations and how they grow the organization moving forward. So it's, so it's less about leaving someone with like a half finished, half finished house to finish off for you. It's more about leaving the the blueprints, the materials and solid foundations for someone to pick up and do what they need to do with it kind of thing. Is that, is that a good way of thinking about it? Precisely. I think there's, there's also the nuances, right? So there's all around that, that framework. There's, um, it could be anything as simple as your marketing team isn't um, at the moment equipped, technology, um, skilled people, you know, mm -hmm. sometimes, uh, or, or the skill set to do X, but we can do that. So yes, I know we should have done X, but we're doing Y and these are the reasons. Um, and also then being able to, um, and I don't do this in writing because it's, it's too much nuance, but each individual, you know. Um, so I leave my, my contact details, you know, give me a call when you're here. And this is obviously I'm talking to you about environments where I don't, there isn't, a replacement uh, for me, or there is no one stepping into that role. Um, more often than not, companies have a new CMO, so you can take them through that. You know, I plan, I plan out their first month, and part of the handover process is the first week we have a really solid schedule. And, and that person and I probably spend an hour on either in the beginning of the day, end of the day, but otherwise they're out talking to everyone else. They're doing none of the job I am. Mm -hmm. Week two, we start to hand over projects and we're starting to do the slow, very deliberately slow handover because I believe so strongly in this that um, as CMOs, we want to dive in. We want to just get into the role but you fail to go out and talk to customers. You fail to go out and kind of really learn the products and learn how sales sell, um, both kind of going through the sales induction process. So if I'm handing over in person, if you like, then I like to make sure that, that, that the new CMO has that time, the luxury of being able to, you know, go and do the induction phase without being distracted with the delivery of marketing function. And I'm sure that's got to be really, really good for the, the team that they're coming in to take over as well. I, like one of the most chaotic things you can go through in a marketing team is a change of marketing leadership. If, if the process isn't planned out properly, 
they can come in with completely new ideas, completely new ways of doing it. And it's pure chaos. So having that kind of gentler handover has got to be a good way of encouraging stability. It is. I think, though, that, you know, my personal experiences don't try and drag that out for too long. You know, try and I, I think three weeks is enough. Yeah. Uh, when you get into the fourth week and now you've got the new incumbent and they want to put theirs and they should absolutely be owning the outcomes. What I have found is, um, and this was, you know, something that I also wanted to talk about is staying on and doing special projects, is that you've got this marketing team, often people that you've either upskilled, brought into the organization, you know, recruited um, to do that job, they're still reliant on you. And cutting and severing those ties is harder than you would think. You know, because they're still relying on you to go, mm, not sure, new boss, how do I approach this? Um, if I wasn't there, you would figure it out on your own. Go figure it out on your own. It's a difficult message to give people. So as a, you know, as an interim, I really, I really do know, I know now that three weeks is about enough for handover. By the third week, I'm bored anyway, because I'm going to move <laughs> on and kind of go and do something else. But it is much more important for the marketing team to get behind their new leader and that that new leader is able to create their impact quickly from the handover. So we've talked about a lot of things that are important to the marketing team, to the new leader, to the organization. Why is it important to you to do this? You mentioned being a bit of a control freak and stuff, but why is it important for your career to make sure that this handover goes smoothly? Like, is it just about ensuring good contacts with the clients for the future work, or is there other things to do with it? Your reputation. I think it really is your reputation, but it's also just, um, you know, I, I started interiming almost by accident, to be honest, and I've really, what I've really enjoyed is the ability to, um, in, in very short time, create an impact on an organization, um, both in the way that they're growing their brand, they're bringing in revenue, but the culture sometimes of the organization, the marketing team, and the culture within, within the, the company itself. Um, and, and so is it ego? I don't know. I think it is about understanding the impact you're going to have um and making sure that there's a lot that that's there's a lasting positive impact um is is you know i keep saying it's really important but i think it should be of any interim role is you're there to do a task um you how you complete that task is you know um it's about your reputation it's about your um ability to to say look i did this and now I'm ready to bring that skill and expertise to you, new client. Um, but also, I, I couldn't, you know, you should never underestimate just how many people you touch, how many people you connect with, every single one of those. And I don't look at people like that, but it's true, is that every single one of those will influence their network. So, it, you know, um, I found work through people in, and generally find work through my network, but it's not always at the exact level. And it's, it's, there are a lot of marketers out there, like, there's, and there's more and more each day, but it's, it's still quite a close 
tight-knit community I feel like people know who the good leaders are who the good yeah. people are to have in certain positions so having that reputation having that ego even that you want to see tasks finished mm -hmm. and completed well is going to serve you better standing in the long run you can't just be a mercenary who just cuts and runs as soon as they got the check like that's not no. going to have sustained business I don't find I don't enjoy the work right so why do we work we work so that we can pay the mortgage and kind of have a life but also we work because we enjoy what we do we enjoy the interactions and, and bringing about you know solving I'm a, I'm a problem solver I think that interims really need to be good problem solvers and certainly in marketing it's you know sometimes it's as simple as our sales team isn't being as effective as we need them to be well it's not just a sales tool or sales enablement that will do that what's the more systemic problem I quite like finding those out um and that and I think this is where I can get unstuck because I quite like going and solving a problem elsewhere in an organized in the organization but I have to remind myself that I'm here to do a task and I need to focus on that task. So it is, it's, um, you do have to be naturally curious, but also um, good at, at just bringing yourself back to what's important. Being able to recognize boundaries, is that a good way of putting it? Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah. It's, it's back to recognizing why am I here? Yeah. Why am I here? I'm here to do this for, for this company, but I'm also here to learn about the industry or you know to to test my own um skills in this product design or something you know so it's it's as much about just knowing what your boundaries but the boundaries are what are your expectations and how am I continuing to deliver to those while having some fun <laughs> Isn't that what we all want at the end Isn't of the day? Isn't that right? Yeah. yeah. Speaking of boundaries, that you've mentioned, you touched a little bit on um, sort of being available for contact after mm. your work's done. Um, like, how do you establish the sort of like boundaries and expectations and those levels? Like, because you can't just be hanging around on the phone in case someone calls you twenty four seven. Like, what? When do you set like office hours when you're going to be available? Like, how does that work? Yeah, I'm. Um... I've been a little bit more fluid about those just because it's often when it's somebody, when there isn't a replacement, you know, mm -hmm. that's quite rare, but the, it, it, it's, you know, it does happen. When there's an exist, you know, there's a marketing, um, a new head of marketing or a, um, a CMO, there it's much more, I will, you know, I'll be, the boundaries are, I'm happy to help you with this. I'm happy to help you with, um, it might be a team, issue or it could be about the execution of a campaign that's already in market you know or sometimes it's about how you might interact with some of the execs um but um, i don't i'd say most of the cmos that i do keep in touch with it's much more just an informal how's it going do you want a coffee you know they very rarely want you to come back and just say tell me how to do this or explain this. They're much more interested in retaining that connection because it's a network. And now you've got somebody who understands their, um, the organization that they're working in and the challenges that that organization brings. Every, every company, every organization, every role has its challenges. So it's really good, I think, for them to have that, you know, connecting point. Definitely, definitely. And, and I think that's, that's something that every marketer needs of every level, CMOs in particular, because you have so many broad 
duties, but building up that network as a marketer, building up these people who are in different situations and share advice and stuff, it's going to be very important. And I, th I think that's something that interim CMOs have to do as a matter of course as part of their, part of their yeah, work. Yeah, I really enjoy that bit, actually. I love the let's have a coffee and catch up and see how things are going. And I can, you know, you do create an emotional connection with people. It's only a human. So some of the team that you're um, you're working with, you create bonds with, you know, and you and you want to you want to keep connected with them, but you don't want to interfere in the way that the CMO is working. So being able to connect in that way, um, I only just had a um, an email the other day that said, "Hey, some of the team would love to have drinks with you. Can we do, you know, can we have a catch up?" Which is great. So you know, that's really, I think. Um, some of the highlights actually is being able to when the CMO says can you come in and be a guest that's nice that's got to be nice so it's more about maintaining those personal connections rather than just keeping an eye on how like the brands or the organizations oh, no. are doing. I wouldn't stick my nose in there you know I really wouldn't because it's all about context again mm -hmm. things the context I was I was in won't be the context that the the new the new leader is in markets change roles change individuals change and each cmo brings their own energy and insight and experience to that position it's none of my business after that it really is none of my business it's not that i don't care but i won't i i'd be a fool to try and judge um because i just appreciate just how hard those decisions are that you make on a daily basis and and often one of the things that that you know one of the types of CMO roles can be that we you're bringing in a CMO when actually you know that it's a head of marketing that's reporting into the chief commercial officer so I'll come I would often you know I'll be there reporting into the CEO as part of the management team this new person likely isn't going to that's a different context that you're bringing that new leader in to that makes sense yeah so my role is much more about understanding what the exec team is, is looking for and how to coach and set up that new head of marketing so that they can be successful and giving them the um connections the um insights into the different execs is really important because while they might be reporting into, I don't know, chief commercial officer or chief operating officer, they need to understand the context that the COO or CCO is working in. And I can bring that. And it, it sort of falls in line with what we discussed in our previous episode when we were talking about what do you want on your table for when you hit the ground running? So you're basically doing the same in reverse. You're providing them with the exact information that you want. That's exactly one of the notes I've made is that the questions that you have that I have at the outset um uh you know how does the organization work what are what are the um everything from the reporting cadences to um what, what's the infrastructure like how how closely is marketing aligned to sales or not how um do you is it a product or a services company because there's a nuance for that how do you sell? All of those things are things that the new head of marketing CMO is going to want to know. So what I'm doing is I'm just noting them. You know, I really kind of look at the uh, questions I'd want answered and how do I make sure that those questions are answered 
and I can show how we've evolved them. Or, you know, in, in my re most recent assignment, we didn't really have a digital marketing function. So, or capability. So my, you know, the questions I needed answered there have now kind of been answered. Um, uh, kind of, because what I'll say is we've, I've, the only had time to do this. Mm -hmm. You now have a C, C, you know, we have a, um, I'll use marketing ops again, but campaign execs in place who will need to have X things in place for the future. One of the things I had to set up was, you know, how do we do reporting? What should our reports look like? And what does the CMO need to see in a report that the execs don't? Mm -hmm. How do you, as a marketing team, talk to execs about the work you're doing and the results that you're bringing in that isn't boring them to death about attribution, but is also being able to be very, um, tell the narrative of the influence that you've had on a client. So existing customers who bought, um, who, who, you know, you've, you've got a greater share of wallet from, how do you show them what intent? Those are easier um, conversations to have, but actually um, share, of, share of voice, for example, takes ages to build and you're not that's a metric the cmo will keep to themselves for at least a year mm -hmm. before you can really do that a lot of the google analytics uh, data that you might see from your website is just going to give you a moment of that client touch point or a prospect touch point you can't then extrapolate and make decisions on something that was just it just happened for a month. So it's really being able to um, teach the marketing team to tell the narrative. How do you tell, how do you, how do you talk to your internal uh, stakeholders and say, yes, we're measuring this, but it's too soon for you to, for us to share that measurement with you. And here's why it takes eight months, takes a year. In fact, it takes a lot longer, but you know, um, if you're looking to develop your brand and if your objective uh, exec team is to build your brand then this is the investment you need to to make but also your investment in your time and patience because you won't see immediate results you'll see some things we'll be able to talk to you every month we'll tell you what we've achieved but it's not that big bang approach so it's sometimes it's as simple as um showing the marketing organization how to teach how to talk through those narratives and making sure that um, the CMO has the full sight, but the execs only see what they need to see. And I don't mean that because we're trying to keep things from them, but it's um, it's really it's really difficult to not react to. Well, we should just switch off Twitter because we're not getting the interaction we want from Twitter. When you're a B two B tech company, it's probably not a bad thing. Yeah, true. And having all this information available as a CMO from day one, it's got to be incredibly helpful for them. So a lot of these processes we've discussed, a lot of these ideas, I, I imagine this is stuff you'll be taking notes on, you'll be thinking about throughout the entire period. When do you actually sit down and start putting this all together into sort of like an actionable plan for the handover? Like how far in advance of the end of the project do you start actually 
pulling all together if we, if we take your most recent project um yeah. for example like there's a nine month project was it in the ninth month that you started thinking about this or was it a bit longer process so i knew you'd ask me this question i really wanted to be able to say oh you start at the outset but i didn't <laughs> it was the ninth month um uh, i i think and i and it's a lesson i've learned right so um in some organizations what i do is i send a weekly update you know at the end of each week is here's all the things that I set out to do, here's what I managed to do. Mm-hmm. Um, when there's a the luxury of time, more often than not, I'm, you know, I'm having to slam the, the laptop case down at six because <laughs> otherwise I will carry on working on a Friday. Um, so some those those weekly reports can be a great repository of, you know, here's the history of what we've done. Um, where you have companies that do monthly reporting that's you know use those monthly reports so I, I kind of feel like I have a lot of that um, in in the nine months that in this assignment I've been through a budget process so that's got a lot of the, the strategy plan um, intent what are the things that we need to do um, so a lot of the information I knew was there I just needed to package it when I know that the information isn't there and I'm going to have to write it. And I probably would start in eight, month eight. Um, I, I, I think the, I think we'd all say this, regardless of whether it's an interim role or not, that, that life moves really fast. I think post-pandemic, it's starting to feel like there's a real um, momentum rolling. And we've adjusted a lot of things. And I look back at my budget process, which was in February in my last client, and so much has changed. So much has changed, even in that Feb to May period. Our prioritization, um, what we what we were able to deliver actually in that period is, is you know, it's, it's quite phenomenal. But to answer your question really quickly, it's usually in the last month. And yeah, being aware of how quickly things can change as well, it's got to be important in terms of thinking about how you're approaching this handover process as well like the information you're giving to that to the next person or to the exec team who or whoever's going to be managing the marketing department once you've left how long how far in advance is that actually going to be good advice for like do you think about like these things could change is it even worth me putting all this stuff down when things could like who knows what's going to happen next month for example it's really it's obviously really hard to predict and so all I can predict for is what would I need to know if I joined in two weeks time yeah. You know, and I and also finish a completer again here. I, I just need to put it all into the document. It doesn't matter whether it's used or not. It doesn't really matter if it was a waste of exercise. It's it's the stuff that's sitting in my OneDrive in my shared folders. So it feels like a um a waste if I don't put it all into one doc, um, you know, into a, a single handover document. Um and if nothing else, it's useful to, in this case, in, in my most recent role, it's the CEO who is, um, you know, the, the, at least a couple of the marketers will report into him if it kind of rolls over to, you know, other people. So it's a shared responsibility. Sometimes at least everyone has that shared document to work from. Cool. Cool. So let's let's wrap things up with something a bit more. More about something sort of the emotional personal side of being an interim CMO you've met you mentioned you've got some time off coming up um, I hope you're looking forward to it how important is that sort of 
time off decom decompression space between projects like do, do you find that you, you like to have a bit of space between projects or do you have projects overlapping or do you always try and plan out to make sure you've got time to decompress relax from the latest project I can't I really couldn't speak for any other interim but I have to decompress um I put a lot into each of my roles I put you know you really do from from the your first months you come in you you really do feel like you're parachuting in you go to run um, make some really quick assessments and then go and validate those assessments. Um, understand the organization, understand the culture, understand how they write, how, you know, I was thinking about just how much I've taken on in the last nine months. It was just complete, you, you really do need to, what's the tone of voice? How does the brand work? How do you know the brand guidelines? How do I quickly understand those? Um, how do we make money how do we not make where are we losing it how do we you know just the the role of marketing is so broad um and and you need to become not an expert in all but you need to know enough so that you can make some uh decisions or or think and then go and validate with your internal um colleagues and and I really didn't stop in this nine months. I think I might have had you know a week over off at Christmas or whatever. Wow. So very little time off. And I know that when it's such an intense nine months, I really need a good two or three months um, to just decompress. But also as an interim, um, and certainly one that that finds most of her work through her network. Um, it takes a good three to four months for me to even get a good few bites and and some roles that have the right scope um, uh, that fit my capabilities. So, yeah, I purposefully take a month out afterwards. It is exhausting, um, mostly because you're learning and embedding yourself and getting under the company's skin to be able to represent them and, and make decisions that will be um will have a positive impact and all of that takes a lot out of you as an individual um i'd say to any interim make sure that you have your um you have a, a good way of switching off you know things that you love doing outside of work that allow you to really just switch off um international roles can take so much out of your time um so how do you get that time back um is really important um and make sure that you've got a nice little padding in between i've never really gone straight into another um interim role i really admire those people that do it, it's got to be just impressive mental gymnastics to be able to do that kind of thing like it boggles my mind um and that's just from speaking to some of the the interim or fractional cmos that i know who are doing that so yeah i my hats off to them certainly um Thank so you. Yeah. kyla um let's let's wrap everything up together if you had to have one final piece of advice for people in interim roles like on how they should approach wrapping up their projects or coming to the end of their their time there like what would it be what would be your big golden rule Gosh, the one big golden rule. Um, I always think of impact. And I don't just mean I did, you know, I bought, I, 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 I reorganized the marketing function in six weeks. That's not really 
a huge impact. It's the impact on the organization. You know, um, the role of marketing is to grow the business. What impact did I have? The role of a CMO and leadership is how did I impact the, the culture positively? Um, what did I do to, to, to change that culture in positively? Um, and so those are the two impacts I really look for is how did I, was I successful in achieving that brand goals? Was I successful in really helping a couple of people grow and, and, and do things differently? And does the company have a marketing function that, that really is going to give them that um, cultural, but also um, uh, growth objective? Excellent. Very long answer. It's, it, it's, it's, it's an answer that covers all the bases. So it's a great answer. Thank you, Kyla. Okay. This has been great. Thank you very much. I was really happy we got to do this today. It's been another fantastic conversation. So thank you very much for joining me today, Kyla. Um, I'm sure our audience has found it interesting as well. Um, I know there's quite a lot of interim CMOs and fractional CMOs in our audience, so I'm sure they'll find it very useful. And even if you're not an interim CMO as well, there's some good advice just in general about how to approach work as a CMO. So thank you very much, Kyla. And thank you very much to our listeners. We'll be back soon with some more CMO convos. Thanks for having me, Will.